Red Business with IBEC, building a sustainable competitive future in Cork business. Hi there and thanks for joining us. Well, we are another Red Business closer to Christmas and we're going to start in just a moment with not one but two festive endeavours. Later, we're going to speak to a photographer who's turning his hand to making environmentally friendly clothing and we'll hear how businesses can try and prepare for whatever COVID throws at us next. But this coming weekend is when you can really expect Christmas trees to be showing up in the windows of homes across Cork City and County. And if you're committed to having the real thing and not a machiaire one, you might be interested in the latest initiative from our next guest. Colm Coley is the man behind Christmas Tree .ie. He joins me now to tell us all about Cork Christmas Tree Rental. Colm, you're very welcome to the podcast. How are you? Great, thanks, Jonathan. Thanks for having me on. Uh, no, lovely to hear from you. Now, you are not selling uh, trees that are cut and are going to die and shrivel in the corner, are you? We do know, like, our, our core business is, is cut Christmas trees. Ah, okay, um, so you do both so they, then, do you? We do both, yeah. Like, we're selling Christmas trees here in Cork for nearly 25 years. So, like, the cut Christmas trees are our main business, but, like, the pot-grown Christmas trees then, um, either buying it or renting it are, is, a, is kind of a new venture, really. Ah, OK, so I'm with you. So why did you move into the potted ones? Because, again, I feel sad in January when I have to throw the tree away. Yeah. So, like, we, we started growing the, the small pot-grown Christmas trees a number of years ago, and, um, like, we were only selling for, like, 10 or 15 euros, and a lot of customers were kind of coming in and asking, you know, do we have anything bigger? So... We thought, you know, we'd start, you know, growing bigger Christmas trees, bigger popcorn Christmas trees, and there we just saw that there was a demand from them. So, so um, yeah, yeah. this year, then we kind of really kind of launched it. Then, like, yeah, you've you've branched into it. Yes, I, I can see the puns. Branched into it, yeah, yes, boom, yes. boom, and all that. Yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, so, how big are the trees in the pots? Because I mean, some people are happy with five foot, some people want eight foot. How big are they? So, like the common range of sizes, like we've uh, three foot, five foot, and six foot. Um, so like the three foot they're, they're ideal for outside the door um, so are the five foot and six foot as well um, so they, they make the ideal outdoor tree or if you want to bring it indoors as well for you know a few weeks before Christmas they're ideal as well So can you leave the potted tree indoors um, and will it stay alive? That's the question You can like th- three weeks really is the maximum that you should bring the alive Christmas tree indoors for and after that really it's 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 it, I suppose the, the, at the moment the Christmas trees are dormant. You see, so you're kind of tra- you're tricking the tree, and if you bring it indoors for too long, it's going to think it's spring and it's going to wake up, and it may not start growing then for the next season. Ah, so in other words, you you might accidentally kill it. You might accidentally kill it. Yeah, like it, you can't bring it indoors for a long period of time, but and it it will last through Christmas, but. It's, it's the challenge really is, is whether it's going to start growing again in the spring. But the theory is that this Christmas tree survives until next year, then, isn't it? Exactly, yeah. So, like, you have your Christmas tree and, and again next year, and it's going to be a small bit bigger then as well, you know. And and do you keep the tree? I mean, do you put it somewhere safe outdoors so that it survives the summer? Uh, well, if you're renting, like, when we, like, we have a rental and we have a buying option. So, like, if they're renting from us, like, we take back the tree and we look after it then for the 12 months. Um, and if you're buying it, you know, the customer then looks after it. Um, but, like, Christmas trees in general, they're very hardy. They're quite hard to kill. And like a pot-grown, a pot-grown Christmas trees, they're mm. grown in a pot from a very early age. So they've survived, they've survived many years growing in that pot. So, you know, they'll, they'll survive many more years then to come. 
Yeah, you haven't seen my ability to kill off things, uh, as would be experienced uh, by regularly in this house. So if you are to rent it, do you have to pick it up from, from where you are and then drop it back afterwards? Is that it? Yeah, so like our rentals, like like we're only really putting a, like a three-week three kind of time frame on the rentals because we're assuming that people are going to bring them indoors. So the rentals are available from the 8th to the 12th of December and then we'll either collect them or you drop them back then on the 2nd of January. Right, okay. So, and you bring them back down and you give the TLC. And if you want to buy one then, presumably that costs a bit more, does it? It Like, there's actually really good value in the, in the buying them. Um, like, I know a lot of people this year have really kind of, um, you know, there was a great uptake in the rentals, but, like, to buy them, I mean, to rent, like, a three-foot tree is um, is 25 euros, but to buy it is 40. And your five-foot then to rent is 40, but to buy is 65. You know, so, I mean... You, you have that Christmas tree again for the next year, you know, that's yeah. what I'm saying. Okay, so in other words, you, you can hold on to it, uh, but you have to limit the amount of time it spends indoors, otherwise it will shrivel, uh, like the cut exactly, tree. Exactly, yeah. So, uh, like, do you feel that you're covering both sides here? Because you're, you're keeping trees alive, but obviously you're killing off some of them so you can plant more of them. So it's kind of a lovely circular economy story that you're running. It is, yeah. Like, I mean, like, you know, cut Christmas trees, they're actually very environmentally friendly and they are carbon neutral as well. Um, so like I know it's a bit of a shame when the Christmas tree is, is you know it's after Christmas is destroyed but you know we're very fortunate in this country that the, the council collect the Christmas trees and um, you know they, they shred them up then and they use them for bark mulch like for you know for playgrounds and parks and stuff so like they they actually do put the the dead Christmas trees to good use as well. Yeah, no, no, there, there, there's definitely use that's out there. And in terms of the the real trees, then that are that are cut down and that you can leave indoors for six weeks or five weeks or however long yeah. you want to spend looking at it. Uh, how good are they this year? I mean, have they been affected by the weather? And 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 what should people I don't be looking think so. out for? I, I actually heard I actually heard that on the radio there a few weeks ago, saying that something about the the mild weather. I mean, like my own Christmas tree, we actually put up our Christmas tree very early because it's such a mad time of year. So we normally get the Christmas tree and the decorations on the way. So our own Christmas tree is up since the 20th of November and is actually in really good condition. Mm. Um, but the, the trick is you have to have a water stand if you're going to put up a Christmas tree in November. And do you feed it Guinness uh, or how? What do, what do you feed it to keep it alive? Uh, well, the best thing, the, the first thing you have to do is to take, take a little slice off the end of the tree, maybe about a half inch to an inch. That kind of opens up the tree, opens up the pores, so it allows the water to, to be absorbed. Um, and then just make sure that it's always dipped in the water and a tiny drop of 7-Up actually is, is a really good trick because it just absorbs the water better and just keeps the tree alive longer. Okay, real 7-Up or 7-Up Zero, does it Re- matter? Anything kind of, yeah, well, 7-Up Zero, no, probably wouldn't have the sugar in it. So it needs a bit um, of sugar. So anything kind of sugary, anything sugary, even it, even just a tablespoon of, of actual, you know, sugar is, is actually... Just, just as good. So my, know, fi- my seven up, seven up would probably be the best. Okay, so my final question, Colm, is what is the going rate for the Christmas tree this year? You've given like, the potted ones, which do seem like good value, considering that you might get to use them again and again. What is the cut, yeah. the going rate for the cut tree this year? Uh, the same prices as last year. I don't think there's any kind of difference. Like you, your standard kind of six to seven foot would be fifty euros. And kind of a bigger one, then it's kind of seven to eight, then it'll be 60 euros. 60 euros, okay. And they're they're yeah. on sale. Your website is christmastree.ie, which I have to say is a wonderful acquisition of a domain name. Uh, but if people want I to know. physically visit you, where are you? We're down in the Black Rock Harding Club. We're down in the car park in the Black Rock Harding Club. And um, uh, like five euros for every Christmas tree sold goes to the club as well. 
So you're kind of supporting local cause. Okay, so the Rockies are doing well out of it as well. Colm, look, it the sounds... The Rockies are doing okay, yeah. It sounds brilliant. Um, the best of luck in selling Christmas trees. I'd imagine you have a couple of very busy weekends up ahead of you. But for now, Thanks Colm so Crowley, christmastree.ie with both renting and selling potted Christmas trees and the chopped version as well that are replanted <laughs> at a later point. Colm, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks, Jonathan. Thanks very much. Red Business with IBEC, building a sustainable, competitive future for Cork business. I'm wishing on a star and trying to believe that even though it's far, he'll find me Christmas Eve. I guess that's I must have watched that film dozens of times because my kids were obsessed with the Polar Express. The idea of Santa and a train, oh, it, it, it all came together in the end. And the great news is, it's all aboard the Santa Express and the Polar Express at the Model Railway Village and down in Clonakilty this Christmas. Event producer Carl O'Connor, who's been on the podcast before but is back on now with his Christmas hat. Carl, I mean, could you have got a better setting to go and see Santa? I mean, the place is absolutely amazing here. So it is. I mean, there are venues throughout the country that would uh, give their left arm to have the facilities that they have here in Clonakilty. And uh, we're just delighted to be a part of this and just bringing a little bit of Christmas magic to what is a well-established venue. Yeah, I mean, it is a brilliant location. I've been there mostly during the summer, I have to say. It's the kind of thing you'd go down to Clon and you're mm-hmm. around West Cork and you'd go in and then look at the model railway village. But this is the first time I think you've done something like this there. Um, it's the first time that uh, we've worked on this uh, with them, for sure. Um, so I'm sitting here in a in a train carriage at the moment, and I, I'm looking out at all the the twinkling lights, and uh, it's amazing to be part of this. And uh, it's definitely going to be something special and something unique. I mean, what they have here is amazing. I mean, we've got train carriages, we've got model villages, um, we're going to have Santa, his elves. And it's, it's not going to be your traditional, it's not going to be your typical, uh, should I say, Christmas show. Um, I mean, they're going to be Santa on a train, uh, a real train. And um, it's it's going to be interesting. Yes, and you'd have to listen for the bell because you can't hear the bell then you don't believe, as you well know, having watched the movie dozens of times as well, Carl, to get inspired <laughs> for this. Uh, we have to talk about the kind of year that we're having and, and the impact that it's having on events such as yours. Have you been very heavily curtailed by the current spike in COVID? What do people expect and what can they expect when they come down to see you? Yeah, so I suppose when you're when you're trying to run an event um, these days, you're certainly planning for possibly what is the worst or close to the worst that could possibly happen. Um, the big thing is your capacity is curtailed um, hugely. So, you know, you plan for that. And you also plan that part of your event is going to be outdoors, um, at least covered outdoors, uh, and that anybody inside, um, the number is going to be quite restricted. So it's going to be quite... Um, it's going to be quite restricted. Like I said, people are going to come in in their small numbers, in their pods, um, and they're going to be brought through from section to section. So it's all very, very much controlled and uh, you're in and out from indoor to outdoor areas. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's, it's, going to be, it's going to be amazing. Now, uh, bear in mind, Santi needs to be protected at all costs. So therefore, we need to make mm-hmm. sure that, that the big man himself uh, is kept as safe as possible. So will he be masked and everyone else be masked or how is it going to work? 
Yeah, so everybody's going to be masked. I suppose that's the that's the world we live in at the moment. Um, so we, we use clear visors, which is which is kind of a good way of um, still getting the message across because it's very hard, as you know, to to to, to speak to somebody when they're wearing um, you know a face covering. But um, with the clear visors, um, it works a lot a lot easier. So you can actually speak to somebody um, without overextending yourself and um, still being safe. So that's quite important. Um, and it's different. I suppose the way Santa used to be done years ago, where you'd go into a room and and you'd sit beside Santa, or even you'd sit on Santa's knee years ago. But but those days are gone. So this is this is far more open, and it's far more um, more or less like an audience with Santa on a train, and you, you get your individual time with him as well. But um, it's very much an audience with Santa. Yeah, well that's fine. Okay, you can still hear him, yeah. and he can still hear you, and he can. I mean, I'm presuming he has the ability to check the naughty and nice list. Oh, he does. I mean, that, that's given. But he's quite forgetful as well. So the elves are, are quite good at reminding him and, uh, you know, um, giving him his notebook and, and notepad and uh, yeah, well, getting all the information that he has on, we, we, on everybody. We, we all know the elves are overworked and underpaid, but that's a completely different discussion <laughs> to have about the North Pole. Um, w- look, the events are your thing. Uh, you, you were involved mm. in the Nightmare Realm the last time I spoke to you. So a very different kind of experience yeah. this time around. Uh, not so scary. Um, do, do you feel that there is you know that this grow for for going to see it from when you were a child that it has to be special and you have to make sure that the kids feel as if they're a part of it um for sure i mean the whole thing has to be special and um like we say with any events that we're doing um, people's expectation is huge i mean you know we're very very lucky bar the last year there's you know a lot of us have traveled abroad a lot of us have gone to to disney world maybe or even attractions in the uk and the standards are quite high so we're always trying to trying to reach reach higher standards and um reach different levels of um activity between actors and customers and um making sure that the interaction between everyone is really, really high and that the standards of our events are really, really high mm. and uh, trying to improve them year on year. Um, uh, but again, it's a, it's you, you, you've never done it on a train before. This is this is a new experience for you to, to, to be able to do that. I'd say, though, you cannot wait, Carl, for COVID to be over because it, it just makes everybody anxious and there's a nervousness. Mm. There is a nervousness for sure. Um, to balance that a little bit, little bit like you said, um, people people want to do stuff. They want to get on with their with their lives as well. You know, um, they want to go do stuff. They want to do stuff safely. So um, we've tried to adapt. Like you mentioned, the nightmare realm earlier. So um, that would have been in previous years. We would have been very much um, open people's faces to try and make people scared and stuff like that. So we had to adapt this year, this October, to giving a different level of level of scare. Scaring it's the same then with the scaring from a distance. Yes, yeah, yeah, um, and scaring a little different. So, so we tried to adapt. We've and and we have adapted, and our actors have been fantastic in in. Uh, in wanting to still be part of shows and, st- and wanting to entertain people, which is all, what it's all about at the end of the day. Well, and um, it's all about adapting. What well, we wish you and Santi the best of luck as you're down there in the model railway um, in Clonakilty. It's a fabulous place to visit at any time of the year, but nice and festive to have it. But for now, Carlo Connor uh, of the Polar Express at the West Cork Model Railway in Clon, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us. Thank you, Jonathan. 
Red Business with IBEC, building a sustainable, competitive future for Cork business. Well, we are coming to the end of another unprecedented year. That word is losing a little bit of currency in the Irish workplace, but we're continuing to roll with the punches of this pandemic. And we wanted to gauge the sentiment amongst employers as we try to wind down for the festive period, knowing that we won't be rid of COVID for some time yet. So to understand where we're at and what we might be looking into, Maeve McElwee, Director of Employee Relations at IBEC, is with us. Hey, Maeve, how are you? Hi, Jonathan. How are you doing? I'm good, uh, despite the circumstances. I mean, it is, it's a roller coaster, isn't it? Because we have just been up and down and up and down and we still don't know when we're getting off. Uh, yeah, I think there's no doubt it's been one of those uh, years that has really adapted a lot or attested a lot of people's adaptability um, and their their willingness to accept, uh, I think, a lot of ambiguity in the working environment. So, yeah, I think it's hard to know when it's going to end. There have been some changes, of course, uh, to the way that the government has been handling it. They, they can't just keep giving out money, um, even though they say they will continue to support sectors worst affected. The big change this week, though, is the EWSS, the Employment Wage Subsidy Scheme. That That is being changed. Now, you're amongst the group saying that we shouldn't be tinkering with it too much. Yeah, absolutely. So we're calling on government to urgently step up the financial supports for organisations in the experience economy, particularly as they're continuing to face the the struggle of the COVID restrictions. Um, And that includes immediately reversing that decision to cut the employment wage subsidy scheme. So look, we absolutely recognise the role in supporting suppression of the the COVID viruses uh, that business uh, absolutely has to uphold. But it does mean that the experience economy really has borne the brunt of that economic impact of COVID. And while a lot of the economy has been incredibly robust uh, to the challenge that has been posed, um, we, we do expect to see uh, something that would give us, uh, I suppose, a, a lot more comfort in terms of where we're going with the, the experience economy. Really clear um, that we need to have an extension of the wage subsidy scheme beyond April 2022 because it really is the most effective financial support measure for businesses. Because some sectors, as we know, are being impacted more than others. And the last thing we want is a sector where perhaps they were relying on footfall. People are staying away because of, of they're being encouraged to stay away. And, and then they may find themselves in difficulty in the new year. We don't want to see businesses going to the wall because we've been quite good at keeping them going uh, until now. Yeah, absolutely. That's the case. So um, without a doubt, we do know that some businesses have been affected and our experience economy, probably one of the most uh, challenged, even now with the further restrictions. And of course, people doing as they're asked and reducing their social contacts, but that has had um, an impact as well in the experience economy. And that's why we know it's, it's really crucial that we continue to support them into the longer term. It is great that um, people are are still getting out and about. And we do know that where there's been some pullback around bigger events, um, people are still keen to get out. And really important that we do what we can um, as a a society to make sure we keep as many businesses open um, and to keep that employment there for people. Mm. What's the overriding sentiment out there at the moment? We see lots of sentiment indexes uh, and it's up and down. But as we approach the end of 2021, how do businesses feel right now? How do employers feel right now, Maeve? Yeah, look, I think for most employers, the overriding sentiment is probably quite positive. Um, Despite the impact, um, I think, you know, we're probably looking closer to a situation when the pandemic moves into endemic stages. We we move back into finding and establishing more normal patterns and ways of working. So I think businesses are looking forward. 
Um, they're they're quite positive in terms of their general outlook. Um, I'm really keen to start actually being able to embrace some of the things that we have learned over the course of the last two years um, and implementing that into a, a more normal way of working. Because hybrid working, it's never going away, is it? Because we, we, we were always told it, it'll take too long. Employers want to see people in front of them. Uh, you know, there was a, an attitude that employees can't be trusted unless we can see them. A lot of those myths were dispelled and dispelled quite quickly. Productivity was up, if anything, by not forcing people to sit in their cars in traffic. Yeah, without a doubt, it's definitely here to stay. And I think we had seen this emerging even before the pandemic, where looking at some of the the new, uh, smarter ways that people had begun to work, that we saw an emerging trend. But of course, absolutely, that has been hugely accelerated over the last two years, and it's definitely here to stay. I think what is going to be the real challenge is, and, and companies are seeing this now, it's much easier when everybody is working remotely and we're all in the same situation. The thing that employers are learning now is that it's a very different type of working arrangement where some people are in the office and some people are working remotely. And how do you make that work really well? So you're right in saying it is easier to manage people when you can see them. Um, much different to manage when you're trying to manage on outputs. It's a different management skill. So I think lots of training and learning um, there and it's really encouraging to mm. see um, lots of our organisations actually investing in that type of training um, into 2022. So, uh, you know, it, it's a big, big change for people, but it's not insurmountable. And without a doubt, we have um, we have seen just how positive a change it can be. And fingers crossed we hold on to that above all else uh, once we finally emerge from this or get used to what is the new normal. Fingers crossed 2022 will be a better year for everybody and uh, that the success and the growth that we've seen in so many businesses continues on and the others that need support get it. But for now, Maeve McElwee, Director of Employee Relations with IBEC, thanks for joining us. And I know it's a bit early, but happy Christmas, Maeve. Thanks, Jonathan. You too. Red Business with IBEC, building a sustainable, competitive future for Cork business. Now, our next guest has already earned his stripes in the world of architecture and photography. Now he's turning his talent to launching a new adventure brand clothing that's ready to take on whatever the Irish climate can throw at you. The company is called Gnarly Peaks. It was launched in Bantry this week and it's billed as high quality, environmentally friendly for those looking to explore. Mikey Barlock, how are you, sir? Really well. Exciting. It's lovely to talk to you because, I mean, I know you from your photography days. We used to kind of do certain events together and you'd be running around with a camera and you were really good at capturing nighttime. That was the one thing that I always remember about you. Where did clothes come into it? Um, I suppose the designing as such is coming from my architectural days and the fact that since I was a child, I was always in the mountains. I was... Um, rock climbing for i don't know 12 years and then I, when i came to ireland i kind of stopped rock climbing as such well i did still do a bit of bits and pieces but i started mountain biking because it's raining here so it's easier to do mountain biking rather than climbing so um yeah i was always in the mountains and um yeah i kind of needed some waterproof gear here because it's raining here all the time <laughs> so um did, yeah yeah did you've already realized that now well, not, not only now, but only now I kind of pulled myself together and been like, okay, it's time to do it. Like I'm working on this for about last two years and something. I started uh, working on this in 2019 
uh, which was great because it was before before the lockdown, so I was able to do all the trade shows and pick up the fabrics and uh, all the trims and all that kind of stuff. Meet the manufacturers, visit few factories, and you know, so so it was a good time to start then. But then obviously lockdown happened and everything slowed down. So that's why I'm launching only now. Okay, but, but, uh, but hey, you've finally got, you've <laughs> got a lovely audience that loves the outdoors. Uh, that that's what you have right now if you're trying to appeal to it. So what's so special about Gnarly Peaks? Well, Narrow Peaks is, to my knowledge, the only Irish brand um, that is aiming to provide really high technical clothing for, for mountains. So high waterproof jackets with, uh, you know, good functionality. Um, I don't know any, any other Irish brand that actually deals with rain properly. So, um, yeah, I saw the gap on the market and here I am. It's a very different thing to take in photographs. Um, how easy was it to turn your hand from one to the other? I suppose it's the same. Like photography, you know, photography-wise, it's it's the same thing. It's just um, in the mountains, I was looking more for kind of lifestyle pictures because it's, it's about enjoying the mountains, about having fun there rather than, you know, if you are doing proper fashion shoots, it's it's more staged and it's it's... It's all very composed in a way, uh, rather than with this, it was actually way easier because <laughs> I'm in kind of an environment that I like anyway. So <laughs> what's the plan? Are you looking to sell direct to consumer? Are you going retail? Uh, is the online thing where, where you're expecting to see your success? So at the moment, it is only online. Well, there is one little shop uh, close to Dream League, which, which is stocking uh, uh, my clothing. But uh, at the moment, it is primarily uh, online on, on our website, narrowlypics.com. Uh, but eventually, you know, down the line in maybe half a year or a little bit later, I hope to have it in, in all sorts of shops and not just in Ireland. I would like to expand to, to sell it worldwide. So, um, yeah, that's the plan. This is really technical. I know people just put a coat on their back and, and it either keeps the rain out or it doesn't. But you've had to learn about the technical elements of the fibres and the materials. I mean, you, you can't wear something that results in you turning into a big sweaty mess. It has to be able to breathe as well. How did you manage to learn so much about the technology of clothing? Well, good thing was that because I was I was in the mountains a lot and um and it was big mountains so we were climbing in the summer we were climbing in the winter in minus 20 on ice and and avalanches falling down and all that so at the time you really care for what clothing you're wearing so you're looking for for specification of the of the clothing so you start understanding that and then um so that was that was very good base for for understanding the fabrics and what the fabric should do and then it was great that when i was on the on the trade shows you see the trade shows, they are showing fabrics which are for two years ahead. So um, so you could see fabrics which are which are going to be launched in two years' time. Uh, and you're talking to the producers. You learn more about, about the new technology which is out there, the new fibers that are being used. Because nowadays everybody is, is um, trying to push the recycled materials or the biomaterials uh, and all that. So you learn by, by talking to them. And, and it's great that I was able to, to meet them in person mm. and... And, and find that out way faster rather than doing all the Google searches, you know? How, how can you say that it's environmentally friendly, though? Because uh, I, I don't think of my coat in terms of being green unless it's physically coloured green. But what have you <laughs> built into it that, that makes sure it is actually good for the environment? Yeah, so first of all, the factories I'm working with, uh, both the, the fabric mill and also the, the actual manufacturer for the clothing, 
they're blue sign certified which blue sign is very um, strict certification for for the factories uh, so they're using less water and they have you know uh, they have loads of different uh, environment friendly uh, things in it um, the other thing is that because I'm working directly with the uh, with the fabric mill I was able to specify that I want that fabric to be 100% recycled polyester which Again, uh, being recycled polyester, it uses less water than the normal um, virgin polyester. So again, saving on that, uh, getting the, the old, uh, you know, plastic bottles and all that being being recycled. So okay. it's it's all in that. I, I'm fascinated by it. Uh, I wish you the very best luck. If people are looking to buy it right now, they can do so online. Might even get it for Christmas. What is the website, Mikey? So it's gnarlybeaks.com, gnarly with a G at the, uh, the start. And uh, yeah, have have a look at it and uh, I'm sure you will find something really good there. Because let's say the waterproof trousers, they are incredible because you can wear them to work, even if it is sunny, um, you won't be sweating in them. Okay, and if I, it is raining, you don't care. You don't care because it's not going to get wet anymore. I, I, having stood yeah. on enough cold sidelines over the last few years, I'm definitely going to have a look. Gnarlypeaks.com, that's G-N-A-R-L-Y-P-E-A-K-S.com. Calm. Mikey Barlow, it. it's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks for joining us on Red Business. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. <laughs> Get the Red Business Podcast every week with Jonathan Healy at redfm.ie and wherever you get your podcasts. Red Business with IBEC, building a sustainable, competitive future for Cork business.